Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Versus Poku. We thank God for your presence and for tuning in to our episode today as we continue our discussion on the book of Colossians from an apologetic perspective. Uh, we're going through a survey of the book of Colossians from an apologetic perspective. Last week, we ended with uh, chapter 2, or rather, we're going through chapter 2, and uh, we are grateful for your presence. Before I get started on Colossians, I just wanted to give an antidote about the importance of Christian apologetics. If we look around our society, if we look around uh, our nation, uh, we see a shift and a diminishment of morals. We see uh, those that are now attacking God. We see uh, individuals attacking the Bible. Uh, We see uh, laws that were uh, designed and uh, laws that help to uphold uh, biblical concepts uh, being struck down. And so, uh, when we look at Christianity in America, uh, it's not what it should be. It's not what it should be. Uh, we, we as Christians need to keep uh, lighting the fire. We need to keep standing on sound doctrine. I had the privilege of leading a small Bible study group uh, just a few months ago. And out of that Bible study group came uh, an, an encounter that I would never forget. Uh, as we were going around at the conclusion of the Bible study, a six-week Bible study course, uh, one of the youth uh, wanted to ask a question, and the majority of the Bible study was primarily adults, and maybe a couple of their children uh, participated. But one of those youth uh, had a question, and he said, uh, I've always had these, this question. Now, keep in mind that uh, his parents are Christians, the majority uh, I think all of the, uh, the adults in the Bible study were Christians, but this young man said he had a question that he always wanted to ask. And his question was, how do we know as Christians that Christianity is the true religion? It's a phenomenal question. How do we know as Christians, out of all of these different religions, out of Buddhism, as an example, and uh, out of uh, Sikhism, and um, out of the New Age religion, and out of um, all of these numerous religious institutions, how do we know that Christianity is the true religion and not Islam, as as an example? And when he asked that question, I was so proud of him. Because you can tell that he's been wrestling with this question for a very long time. 
And let's not forget that all of us as Christians have an obligation to be ready to give each man, woman, boy, and girl an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you, and we must do it with gentleness and respect, according to 1 Peter 3.15. So, I wasn't anticipating that question to be posed on that night, but the Holy Spirit gave me an answer that was perfect for his question. So his question is, how do we know as Christians that we have the true religion? Because every other religion say that they're true. The difference, or the answer rather for us, is Jesus. Jesus is the difference maker. That's how we know we have the authentic religion. This is why in the Old Testament, God is introduced as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That title uh, insinuates that the same God, which was with Abraham, is also the same God that's with Isaac. The same God with Isaac is the same God that's with Jacob. The same God that was with Moses is the same God that's uh, with Joshua. So this introduction of God, this title of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was to basically let other people know that this is not a different God, but it's the same God that's been working in the lives of these people. So when Jesus came, he came uh, uh, to preach the kingdom message, the kingdom agenda, but he also came to be a reflection of the authentic God. Jesus became the signpost for God the Father. He is the equivalent reflection of God the Father. So when Jesus came into the annals of time, it was proof that God had not given up on humanity, but that God still loved us. The God from Genesis, the God that created uh, this world, uh, ex nihilo, out of nothing, the same God has sent his son, the, uh, the monogenous son, the unique son, John 3.16, to come and die for our sins. So we know we have the true message because of Jesus. And Jesus demonstrated further through the miracles, through his teaching, through his healing, through his prophecies. He demonstrated that he was the true messenger of Yahweh. So as a result, we as Christians ought not to be confused. Jesus coming through the annals of time, being the only God-man that ever walked this earth, being the messenger of Yahweh, he let us know that we serve the true God that created the universe. And after I explained uh, this doctrine to him, he said, he, he responded by saying that he, I, I've got it now. I got it. And this young man was only, uh, I think, 10 or 11 years old. He said, I got it now. I've always had that question, but now I got it. And I don't take any credit for it. It's the Holy Spirit, uh, his moving, his influence, his unction 
that gave me the insight to respond with the perfect answer. And that is Jesus is the difference maker. Jesus is the difference maker. Because of who he is, because of what he did coming through the annals of time, and because he, woke, he, he was risen on the third day with all power in his hand, all of that was done to demonstrate that God was still with us, Emmanuel, and that God has sent a part of him to redeem mankind, and as a result, we can trust his message. So Jesus is the difference maker. Now, how does this tie into Colossians? The theme of Colossians, as we've been reporting, is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. So everything really uh, centers around Christ, if we look at it soberly. Our existence is because of Christ. Our message is because of Christ. Our uh, future in terms of heaven, in terms of uh, the new earth and new heaven, all of that is because of Jesus Christ. So when we get up in the morning, we should put on a helmet of salvation. We should put on the mind of Christ. When we go about uh, our daily affairs, when we go to work, we should, again, think about what would Jesus do? How, would, how, how does God want me to handle this situation? He is supreme, and there's nothing that you're going through that Christ hasn't already pinned on the cross. And since he's already risen with all power, we need to tap into this power that God talks about and that God wants us to have. The uh, the power is accessible. We just need to tap into it. And if we as Christians tap into this power, there's nothing that we can't do for God. Paul says it himself, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So chapter two of Colossians, Paul warned the Colossian church about uh, placing on themselves bondages, which God hasn't even placed on them. He said, don't let anybody judge you concerning what you eat. Don't let anybody judge you or condemn you regarding what you're drinking Don't let anybody judge you as it relates to a holy day. Don't let anyone judge you as it relates to the new moon. Don't let anyone judge you as as it relates to uh, whatever man-made isms are out there. And we explained that on the previous episode. So believers, all the time, we run into people who attempt to place their religious yokes around our necks. Uh, If you don't go to so-and-so church, then you're not a real Christian. If you, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a real Christian. If you don't worship on a certain day, you're not a real Christian. If you don't dress a certain way, ladies, if, you're, uh, if your hands is not a certain length, then you, you, you're not as holy. Man, if you, if, if you don't uh, uh, put uh, a divine title in front of your name, then you're not a real minister. All of these are unnecessary yokes that man is placing on the necks of, of, of believers further taking them, take, uh, distracting them from what God would want, have them to learn and what God would have them to do. So it's important that we never forget the true doctrine versus erroneous doctrine. So these type of teachings are contrary 
to the truth of the gospel. Salvation is genuinely free. It's not salvation, then I still have to work. It's not salvation, and I still have to practice uh, 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 charismatic things. It's not salvation, and I still have to worship on a certain day. Salvation is in Christ alone. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. False teaching produces a type of spiritual cancer which negatively affects the body of Christ. Paul uses a similar analogy in his second letter to Timothy. He says their teaching, 2 Timothy 2.17, he says their teachings will spread like a deadly sickness. Hymenaeus and Philetus are two of those teachers. He even points them out. Their teachings are cancerous, and cancer needs to be excised. This type of divisiveness should not exist within the church. However, it does exist. And he tells the church of Colossae to expect it. Verse 17. Furthermore, the apostle identifies some of the false doctrines faced by the church. The worship of angels. Verse 18. And then he goes on and talks and gives an introduction into the spiritual matters based on uh, pride, based on hubris. Paul paints a picture of a healthy church by comparing it, when I say it, I'm referring to the body of believers, to a real body. Furthermore, just like the physical body is controlled by the head, the metaphorical Christian body is controlled by the head, who is Jesus Christ, verse 19. Paul makes a distinction regarding those who follow the basic spiritual powers of the world in contrast to those who seek spirituality from a Christian perspective. Verse 20, he challenges the church of Colossae to not walk in the patterns of the world as it relates to spirituality. Theologians sometimes differ in their conclusion as it relates to the specific issues Paul was addressing, but the following heretical teachings were prominent during the first century, uh, during the time of this writing. Number one, these are some of the false teachings from the first century. Gnosticism. And Gnosticism uh, comes from Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-I-S-I. And this type of teaching um, talks about everything um, being bad in terms of uh, the material world, that the material world was evil. And if the material world is evil, that goes against uh, our teaching regarding the resurrection because the resurrection tells us that uh, the physical world can't be evil because Jesus himself rose up physically. And that's important. We can't uh, believe in Gnosticism. That teaches us that uh, the physical world is evil. Uh, False doctrines needs to be handled. False doctrines needs to be rejected. False doctrines are a ploy of the enemy himself. So we can't go along with Gnosticism. Um, Then another first century uh, heresy was the legalism, the Judaizers, uh, who went around teaching that in order to be a real Christian as a Jew, you have to be circumcised. And that has nothing to do with salvation. Uh, Yes, Paul encouraged Timothy to get circumcised because of what he was called to do, Um, not because it made him any more righteous. 
So when we talk about cultural normatives, we have to take everything that our culture is saying to us and we have to sift it by the word of God. It's not salvation and something else. It's salvation in Christ alone. So the next thing was syncretism. And what syncretism teaches us is uh, when God saves us, there are certain things from our culture that we should not be doing. And syncretism is the uh, attempt to reconcile things that we shouldn't be doing with holiness. And it doesn't mix. Uh, Let's say you have a polygamous culture. Uh, You shouldn't be Christians still practicing polygamy. Let's say you have a culture where people take advantage of poor people. You shouldn't have a culture where uh, the Christian community is taking advantage of those that are disadvantaged. So syncreticism will not work. Um, The other thing was the Essene movement. And um, the Essene movement, the the Essenes had their own agenda in terms of their desire to uh, conquer their, or, or, or overtake their conquerors by, by physical force. And they wanted to uproot uh, the Roman uh, governance, and they wanted to uproot the, uh, the, the, the Roman peaks because they were tired, and they wanted to do it by physical means. And it wasn't necessarily biblical, some of the things that they were proposing. So, again, these were some of the ideologies in the first century that the Christians were facing. The great theologian F.F. Bruce uh, says that while the Colossian heresy was basically Jewish, it is not the straightforward uh, Judaism legalism of Galatians. That is envisioned in Colossians, but a form of mysticism which tempted its adepts to look on themselves as a spiritual elite. So basically, uh, F.F. Bruce is saying that some of the bondages that uh, the Christians in Colossae was facing was rooted in mysticism. So Paul continues to exhort the church to not handle nor taste false teachings. These type of false teachings uh, are, are classified as false teachings because they are not of God and will not last, verse 21 through 22. Paul attempts to further illustrate his point by reminding the church of the dangers associated with the yielding to false teaching. False teachings are based on human teachings and are not wise, verse 22 through 23 of chapter 2. As a result of these rules, people that are misled give themselves over to an inauthentic type of worship, verse 23. Paul cares deeply for this church. He wanted them to be blessed and experience the true worship based on sound doctrine. In contrast, the worship based on false teachings yield the following. They give themselves over to their own type of worship. There's a pretense of humility. They treat their bodies very badly. However, according to Paul, rules like these do not work. They do not help with the insatiable nature of sin. So if we are bringing in other rituals, that the Bible has not endorsed. What we're doing is we're putting on extra yoke on people that God hasn't endorsed. Um, you have to be 
touch with this type of oil. Uh, you, you, you have to buy this holy handkerchief, and then you have to buy this miracle wheat. Uh, if, you, um, if you speak the unknown language, if you speak the other language, if you speak that, then that, that's a demonstration that you really know Christ. That's not what the scripture says. A lot of people are taking scriptures out of context. They're not practicing basic hermeneutics. And as a result, they are teaching doctrine that God hasn't affirmed. So as we transition to chapter 3, Paul offers a conditional statement to Colossian church in verse 1 of chapter 3. If they have been raised up with Christ, then they should think about heavenly business. This is the prescriptive charge that all of us as Christians we share with the first century church. Every believer ought to live their life from a Christ-centered perspective, such as Philippians 2 and 5. In addition, Paul provides information regarding the position of the Godhead. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. The phrase right, right hand normally conveys the idea of power or strength. And we remember uh, Psalms 110 where it says, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Uh, Paul then shifts from speaking of the position of Christ to the desires of the believers. Their affection should not be dominated by earthly things. He wanted them to think about heavenly things, verse 2 of chapter 3. Moreover, Paul reminded the church about their conversion. The natural man was not dead. No, 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 no. Natural man, natural woman is not dead and hidden in Christ. Believers now have power to suppress the desires of the flesh. The more we give ourselves to Christ, the more we, we overcome. Romans eight thirty seven. The more we give ourselves over to Jesus, the more we are overcoming. In an attempt to encourage the church, Paul instructs them to look forward to the parousia, which is the second coming of the Lord, verse 4. Why? Because uh, Paul uh, is saying, saying this to remind them that Christ is their life. In other words, they are or should be in the business of Jesus Christ. So my question to you, if you're listening to us, is what uh, is your business? Is your business Jesus Christ? Or is your business your business, and then when it's time to be holy, you're holy? Our business as Christians, if God gave you your job, there should be some spiritual dividends coming out of your jobs. If God has given us children, there should be spiritual dividends coming, up, uh, coming out of our parenting. So it's important that we not become part-time Christians but that we live for Jesus every day, every second, every minute, every hour, every week, every year, every month. We should be living for Christ. And that's what Paul was trying to convey. Well, our time has come to an end quickly. We thank you for joining us on this episode. We are so grateful, as always, for all of our listeners, um, locally as well as globally. Uh, we have listeners all around the world, and we thank you for listening. And if you would like to support our ministry, we encourage you to go to our website, srministries.org, and become a monthly contributor, or you can send in a check, make it out to 
Sound Reasoning Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306, Elk Grove, California, 95758. And remember to continue doing for the truth what so many people do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.